What is significant about Jesus being the Word? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hear of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, today we are talking about the doctrine of Christ as prophet, and going hand in hand with that is the question I kind of let off with. Um, Jesus is known as the Word, and that connects to this, but that can be a challenging concept. John uses it quite extensively in his prologue. And when he does, I think a lot of people reading that can be kind of confused. What does he mean? Uh, We know that Scripture is called the Word of God, but then Jesus is the Word of God. What's going on there? John is using uh, some philosophical arguments underneath that prologue. When you understand it, it helps a little bit, but it can still be a little bit of a challenge for many people. And so we're going to dabble with that, though, in in this episode, to to a degree at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about that philosophical side of it, I mean, the the word that he uses, uh, logos or logos, depending on how you prefer to, to pronounce <laughs> yeah. or mispronounce it. Um, <laughs> I've heard it both ways and I'm okay either. But the, you know, really that that idea is, is, is and that's the word we actually get the word logic from. And so really the 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 intent in even calling Jesus the word is to essentially to say Jesus is the thing that makes the universe make sense and you know narrowing it down into into scripture itself Jesus is the person who makes scripture make sense yeah. and i mean that's really what we're all about with with gospel project and is you don't fully under is is this idea that we want to help people see how all scripture connects and points to Jesus because without Christ at the center of scripture, the Bible doesn't actually make sense in the way that it's meant. And I I think that's a helpful way to kind of uh, bring this down to a level that is attainable. Again, I'm, to be transparent, I am not the best at philosophy. I, I, you know, I remember reading some philosophy in college and seminary you've had to read uh, been doing some reading in some philosophical kind of areas in advanced studies. My mind just isn't structured that way. I can kind of float in it a little bit, but I can't go too deep. And I think there are a lot of people like me who, when they start drilling down in more of the deeper philosophy behind this concept, the word that John was bringing to bear, it can quickly be eye glazing, but it need not be. If we just remember you know, when we think of the Word of God, at least on one level, it is simply the substance of the prophecy of the Old Testament and the substance of, of Scripture. That, to me, I can get my arms around that. And so that's helpful. So we've, uh, we're prone to do, we get ahead of ourselves all the time. Let's back up then and let's read the doctrine of Christ as prophet, um, summarize it, and then look at some text and then It'll give more context of why we're going on and on about word. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds good. But before I even read this very quick doctrine, I'm just going to let you guys in and just say this is actually the first of three discussions that we're going to be having really about what what are called the offices of Christ. And so these are how, uh, because we do see these these three distinct offices within the Old Testament of Christ of prophet, priest, and king. And so how does Jesus 
fulfill all of those because in over the course of scripture we do see him functioning in all three of those areas we see him call explicitly called the the king um, as the son of David, we see him and also being the king of the universe. We, um, you know, here we're going to talk about him as the prophet. Next week, we're going to talk about him um, in, in his priestly functions as well. And so while while sometimes people can take these and they can make too much of them, um, as was uh, kind of a trend in in certain manhood and leadership books in the early mid mid 2010s, um, we want to see that this is really important, less so for immediate application toward our lives and our leadership styles, and more toward our understanding of the story of Scripture as a whole. So, cr- that said, Christ as prophet. So, as, as one of his offices, Jesus fulfills the role of prophet. He alone is the ultimate teacher and has the words of eternal life. Jesus is also God's ultimate revelation of himself, the very word of God. So that's the whole that's the whole definition and description of this. What that means is that Jesus spoke the word of God and is the substance of Old Testament prophecy. That's what we've already been talking about for about, you know, five, ten minutes. Now, here's the question. Where do we see this in Scripture? Well, the first place we see it indirectly is Deuteronomy 18. And this is a really important passage to talk about what a prophet is. Again, it's not directly related to Jesus being the prophet. But if we're going to understand what a prophet is, this is really important to discuss the role of a prophet. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 22. And again, keep in mind, this is primarily about those who served as prophets in the Old Testament. So we read, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. This is what you requested from the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God or see this great fire any longer so that we will not die. Then the Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. I will not, I will rather hold him accountable, whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die." You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a message from the Lord has not spoken when a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled? That is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. And again, that's Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22. So just a couple of quick words there. We see really two aspects of prophecy that some maintain are both required. There is a foretelling, speaking in advance, telling the future, and a forthtelling, speaking boldly, this is what God has said. So some would see those both being essential, that biblical prophecy should have foretelling, there should be a future aspect, a prediction, lack of a better word, mm-hmm. and a forthtelling, a strong speech. Some will just focus on the forthtelling today, 
but we'll talk about that maybe in a few minutes. But here we see God is saying it's both that my prophets will speak my words, and this is serious. We see how important this is that God says, you do not do this presumptuously. Do not do not claim to speak on my behalf if I have not given you my words, because that prophet deserves to die. And mm-hmm. he's he's understandably jealous of his word. We we understand this as people. We don't like to be misrepresented. And so if somebody were to come to me and say, Brian, I heard what you said. And I'm like, wait a minute, I never said that. It's easy for us to get frustrated about that. How much more important of a holy God, a righteous God, who does not want to be defamed and misrepresented by anybody. So a really, uh, really stern warning. And also at the same time, a stern warning for people to obey his prophets. When he does speak, we as his people are to follow and listen and obey. So this is kind of what the role of the prophet is. We saw it throughout the Old Testament that uh, this thus saith the Lord kind of motif that the prophets Mm -hmm. will come and say, this is what God's saying. And if you don't do this, watch out, this is going to happen. And if you do it, here's the good things that will happen. That happens over and over in the Old Testament. And all these prophets are helping people understand who God is and God's ways, which is going to help us when we come to Christ's prophet. Yeah. And, um, the next, and that actually brings us to the next passage that we're going to, that, uh, I'm going to read for us, which is Matthew 16, 13 through 20, because we see that in his, in his earthly ministry, pre crucifixion, there were people who actually recognized Jesus as one of the prophets. And so this is what we, this is what we see. So When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others still Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And And then Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah." And so this is interesting because you're, you're seeing this, this bend toward kind of a weird superstition, a superstitious vibe happening with what people are thinking about who Jesus is, that he's a, um, you know, that he is a resurrected or reincarnated um, Elijah or Jeremiah or Isaiah (laughs) potentially. And uh, which are ideas that we don't see anywhere in scripture. (laughs) But people are starting to think about that, which is fascinating. Yeah, and it was an interesting, important correction on Jesus' part. He was not mm-hmm. just among the prophets. He was not a, he was the prophet. That, yeah, that's mm-hmm. so important. Um, we also see this in two passages in John. And again, we'll, we'll, I'll draw to two uh, passages in John, yeah. and we'll just move on. There's other places in Scripture, of course, but just for, for simplicity. John 1.1, 1, 1, as we've already referenced, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And again, as we've talked about, and we'll talk about in a minute, while the word prophecy is not mentioned there, that that idea of Jesus being the Word is an important part of that. And then John 6, 68, 
um, Simon Peter answered Jesus, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. And this is in response when people started leaving and Jesus said, do you want to leave as well? And notice Peter's response is, well, I love it. Where would, I mean, what, other, what better option do we have? But then notice he says, you have words of eternal life. And think back to Deuteronomy 18. Uh, think back to what a prophet's role was to reveal what God has spoken. And we see these dots being connected here as we put this tapestry together to see that Jesus is the prophet. So let's move on. Let's talk about a little bit more about cautions and understanding this doctrine or just kind of areas where we think just to double click before we move on. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So, well, um, a couple of those things. I mean, again, we, um, you know, you said it a couple of times. Let's just repeat it one more time. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was the prophet. And so he... He functioned as a prophet in in ways similar to others, particularly, I mean, you see some pretty strong parallels in his his earthly ministry with I with Elijah and Elisha. Those two together very strongly foreshadow and are a picture of what Jesus would ultimately do. And you see this particularly in their their power to heal, raise the dead to feed people with, you know, with tiny amounts of, of food, um, all of these, these kinds of things. I mean, Elisha, you even have his bones raising someone from the dead, which is incredible, but he's not, but he's not one like them. Even, even though we do see him function in some ways, like other prophets, he is, he is the one that they all pointed to because while they were all shadows, he was the substance. And so he functions uniquely as a perfect prophet, the, the ultimate or final prophet, if you will. And, um, and so there is none who are like him. There are none who are as accurate as him. There were none who are as consistent as him. There, um, all of these things, never would you have to worry about that warning that, uh, yeah. that Moses delivered about don't listen to him if it didn't come true, because if he said something, it was going to happen. Yeah. So that's one. The second is the question of whether or not there are prophets today. That's, and that's a really, de that's a strongly debated is. issue. And it's an in-house fight or an in-house debate rather. Fights too strong. A yeah, and it's something, <laughs> it's why I was trying to parse earlier when we look at Deuteronomy, that foretelling and foretelling. And this is kind of what where we're going with that. There, there are some who see the gift of, of prophecy, the spiritual, because the New Testament mentions it as a, as a spiritual gift. And so mm -hmm. some would say, well, it was prophets exist in the Old Testament. We know that, of course, that's not debated. And there was prophecy in the New Testament until the scriptures were completed. And once all the scriptures were, were, were given, that ended prophecy. Uh, because that's the hearing the word from God, and, and that's what happened. Those who were um, uh, recording scripture would hear from God, and they would record that, and that's the word of God. That's what, why we have it. But mm -hmm. some would say that has ended. There is no longer mm -hmm. thus saith the Lord, because scripture has completed direct revelation like that. And so some would say there is no prophecy today. That is a, a gift that has ceased, and it is no more. Others would leave the door open for 
prophecy as a spiritual gift, but they would say, well, some might say both can happen, foretelling and foretelling, but I think it's more common for this camp to say, yeah, foretelling may not happen any longer, as if God said this will happen because, again, direct revelation is, has been completed, but foretelling um, is still possible, that some people have the gift of prophecy to speak boldly and definitively uh, defending truth. So the only concern I have with that, and again, we're not going to dabble into where, who might be right or wrong or whatever. As you said, it's an internal thing. It's an internal discussion. There's room for disagreement about this. The only warning I would offer is this. Sometimes the gift of prophecy is used to defend jerkiness. Yes. Particular with that. Yes. I've got the gift of prophecy. I'm going to tell you what it is and I'm going to have no tact and I'm going to be jerky about it. And I'm going to be bold either internally to the church or to our culture. And we say, well, that's Mm -hmm. a prophetic voice that Brian is just, he's saying it like it is. Which is not how it generally works. I mean, remember the pattern here's okay. Here's, here's good advice. For, for anyone listening who perhaps feels like they are in the camp of they have the forth-telling gift here. Forth, the, the, the strong language typically in Scripture, typically, is directed at the people of God, not at the culture. And so if you're harshly speaking against the culture... You may be misusing yeah. something. Now, again, not getting in. Now, we do see, and we see a lot of complications here. So, again, we and we all have friends who are in different different camps on this, different viewpoints. I mean, the first church that I was a part of um, is is one that would be a charismatic church. And so they they would believe in, they would hold to both foretelling and foretelling being a function today um whether i can't say in i can't say in good conscience that i've ever ever seen that actually legitimately happen (laughs) but um but i mean i i know people who believe that it genuinely does and and so i i listen i hear what they have to say i hear their viewpoints and we and we discuss (laughs) and even that deuteronomy 18 again just we have to be careful. If if you are in a church or you individually believe that both foretelling and forthtelling are part of a gift of prophecy that exists today, just don't miss the heaviness, the weightiness of that and take it lightly. Yes. Yeah. Take it like take it very, very yeah. seriously and just be be discerning. Yeah. So uh, last thing that we should do before we wrap this up is ask, of course, our question of what difference this this makes. And so um, are you okay if I tag yeah, go on ahead. this? Have at it. All right. Cool. So um, there are a couple of things that we want to say in terms of how this how the difference this makes. So as one of Christ's three offices, this is the first thing. As one of his three offices, Understanding Christ as prophet helps us to have a fuller understanding of his ministry as a whole. And so the emphasis in this in this truth 
is on his fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy about the serpent crusher, the one who way back in Genesis 3 was said would would destroy the seed, the, the seed of the serpent. Um, and so this and who would be the blessing to the blessing to all nations uh, that was that was promised to Abraham and the, the son who would rule on a throne forever that a little bit later, too. But um, but this is this is the thing here. He is the fulfillment of all of that prophecy. That's first thing. Second is that we are reminded that our message of the gospel must be rooted in Christ. As the word that we proclaim to the world. So if Christ is the center, if Christ is the point of everything, if he is the thing that makes everything else make sense, we cannot not and we dare not not proclaim him in our efforts to reach people. We have to get to Jesus. We have to make sure that it is absolutely clear that he is the point and that what we need more than anything else, more than debates about particular gifts, more than uh, debates about, um, about anything else that we like to debate on, we need Jesus. And if we get that right, everything we can we can deal with everything else that right there is a good word to end on see what i did there well done thank you so let's end there thank you so much for listening to today's episode of this podcast if you have enjoyed it please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on apple podcast or whatever platform you use to listen to the show and for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel please visit gospelproject.com 